Hello and welcome to Crux Investor. Today we're going to be speaking with Nick Germain, otherwise known as the Mining Book Guy. Um, we're going to talk through a few topics around investment in retail investing in uh, Canada and share some of his insights he's picked up over the years. Hello, Nick. Hello, Matthew. Thank you for having me. Pleasure, pleasure. Now, we've seen a lot of you uh, online. You, you, you get around. I've got to ask the first question. Why the Mining Book Guy? Where did that come from? I love books. That's, the, that's the, the short answer. And I feel when you go into an industry, uh, if there is that history, it's the, the best way to pick things up is read everything you can. And that's what I did when I first looked into the general financial industry, picking up you know, the Warren Buffett, the Peter Lynch, Ben Graham books. Right. And when I started looking at mining, I realized there was this rich history and you see these cycles over and over. And so I think um, I started reading all those books and I wanted to share them with the world. And I thought that was an interesting uh, moniker to have. History does teach us a lot. Although people also choose to ignore history and make the same mistakes over and over. So how do you describe yourself? You know, what, what, what's your purpose? What have you been put here to do? I feel I'm an independent speculator. Now we, we can say investor too, but I really like those smaller speculative companies uh, where I feel I can really get an edge but at the same time, I am a content creator. I haven't taken money from any companies, but I realized I can have a lot of influence with these smaller companies out there. And I think it's fair to say the speculation comes in, but I should also add entrepreneur as well. Again, I haven't taken money yet, but I'm still looking at different types of ways to monetize. Where are you gravitating to? Because obviously you need to get paid and making money investments is great, but you know, what do you, what do you feel is the best model? Right now, I, I do love the independent side of being able to make deep dive videos because if, if anyone's seen the Mining Book Guy YouTube channel, that's probably the centerpiece more than the book reviews I do. And when I make those videos, that's me buying stock in a company, getting excited about it on my own, and then providing my independent and we could say unbiased in the sense that I'm not sponsored or I, I say what I want. I would love to continue to do that and perhaps have a paid subscriber base. Now that's, that's still a little bit down the road, but I feel that much of what I do is fairly unique in the space. I've kind of developed a niche for myself and I'm exploring that. So I would prefer to have the business model where there were paying subscribers, but um, we'll, we'll see if that ever happens. You, you, you'll get there. You'll get there for sure. I'm sure. Now you've got a lot of energy. Uh, and excitement and enthusiasm for the space. Uh, and you know, we, we read that you're trying to get younger people into investing into natural resources. Uh, wh what have you learned about that? You know, what do you know about that audience? For one, I am pleasantly surprised by the global nature of the, the, the younger people who are interested. And I'm, I'm based in, in the US, um, in Minnesota, hard to find anybody interested there. And there are a lot of Canadians, but what I've seen on the online sites, the, um, many of the Canadians I talk to tend to be older, but the younger people might be from Europe, or whether it's from the UK or from mainland Europe. And I've also talked to many from Australia. And so there's this global appetite. It's not super strong yet. And for better or worse, things like cryptocurrencies and weed stocks, I think, have distracted many of those younger people. But that's something that I think is a big deal, this, all these different 
groups of, of young people around the world that are, that are starting to discover the space. Right. So let's let's talk about that again. Some some of the phrases which get bandied around, um, not only in natural resource uh, space but other verticals too, is the chasing the millennial money. Do you know any millennials with money? <laughs> well, um, I mean, I, I guess I I consider myself a millennial, and right. I came through this a little bit through the back door because I I ran a Facebook game business prior, took some money out of that, and kind of discovered this by accident. I do know some other millennials who are just kind of on the cusp of having some money, but when we talk about money with my peers, I think as little as ten or $20,000 of capital is enough to get you started in this space. Now, yes, it's very difficult for me to think of, of many other people who have six figures, let alone you know millions of dollars. But I do think once you're starting to reach your late 20s or your early 30s, um, that's when that's when I see more and more people just kind of discover the space. Hmm. So, what is this? What a picture have you built up of the you know younger investor? You mentioned a few criteria there, but what else do you know about them in terms of their, their behavior, their engagement in terms of uh, you know digesting information or making decisions? Well, it's, it's a very good question, and I am not representative. I'd say of the typical. Uh, trying to reach, reach the widest millennial base as I can. But from what I do and what, I, what I'm, I'm very happy about is that these millennials that tend to follow me, they want to really learn for themselves the same way that I do. So I would even call it unstructured learning. Uh, when I make a video that's 30 or 40 minutes long, yes, there are a few people that tell me, oh, maybe you should, Nick, you should make a five or 10 minute video but many of them are willing to watch through the whole thing. And it's kind of like an over my shoulder type event. And even if they don't buy the stock um, that I'm presenting, they, they can start to think more independently. And I've, I've been very happy to find this smaller group of millennials from around the world who, who really want to do that. Social media just changed the way that people engage with each other. It also has changed the way that they engage with companies in terms of their buying behaviors and patterns. Do you think mining companies are using it as much as they could or should? Oh, well, short answer is not at all. Um, mining, every company should consider themselves as a digital company, whether they're mining or they're consumer products and mining is way behind. And with that said, that's, that's the opportunity for the young people here is that we, understand how to use social media. And I should tie this into my last answer in that many of my, my millennial peers, they don't attend the conferences or they may be hesitant on that, but they're very, very comfortable with the online space. So if we could start doing more online type conferences or just have more mining companies really formalizing relationships with millennials, I think it'd be very powerful, but unfortunately they're behind the, the times right now. <laughs> Behind, yeah. I mean, you know, possibly a factor of you know, you know, the age group that's that running the companies. It's not something that's been part of their lives or necessarily part of their lives. Um, so I mean, just I want to stick stick with this a bit. You know, so you've you've got uh, a, a younger generation coming up, um, with, you know, with money hopefully, and they're thinking of investing. They, as you say, distracted by other shinier objects like um, Bitcoin, like the cannabis, etc. Especially in North America, but also technology, healthcare, uh, you know, there's lots of, there's lots of choice out there. And I, I can't see mining competing 
with that at the moment. Maybe because they don't use the social media as much as they should or could, um, but also because of reputational issues. How do they manage this perception issue or misconception issue? Oh, I think um, when, when I immediately think of the battery metal space and, and energy metals, and I even think of Robert Friedland, um, so it's two separate things. With, with just the general battery metals, I think people see there's this whole clean energy type side of things, or there's, there's you know, the, the tying in with, with Tesla and some of these large tech companies. And so that interesting kind of green energy, battery metals, tech, that's neat in one respect. But Robert Friedman's made a great point. I think he's trying to put together, he's been trying to put together this sci-fi copper-based movie where um, it's, instead of the mining guys being the bad guys, they're, they're the ones who you know, saved the world. And I think that would be fa fabulous if he ever came up with that. So you need to be creative, um, but uh, battery metals, we're already seeing it, but I think in the media space, there's yeah. a definitely an opportunity there, yeah. Well, let's think maybe we can explore that another time in, in, in a bit more, a bit more depth. But so let, let, tell me a bit more about you and your, you're an investor. What's your investment philosophy or what themes do you, have you created for yourself? I really love to dig deeply into emerging jurisdictions and we could even say regions. And I think that separates me from pretty much most people I know because not only do I look for an emerging region, but it could be an area that's just on the cusp. Um, they had uh, you know, a civil war in, in Africa or something, or, or, or all sorts of scary things happening, or the mining code is just now changing and people are still skeptical about that. So once I dig into that region, then I'll wanna find every company that's around there. I'll, I'll really dig into everything. Sometimes I'll limit myself to just gold or copper. Those, those, are, those are two metals I think I understand quite well. But what I really get excited about are those sub 20 million market caps, even sub 10 million. And so already it's very rare for people to look at these regions, but then it's even rarer for them to look at the smallest companies. But I think that's where you potentially get the most value. And it's always exciting to me to be one of the first people to, to follow these companies. What are the, what's the criteria that you're judging these companies on if you're going in at that kind of level? Because that's pretty brave. Yes. So um, it's, it's important for me to feel that they have that first mover advantage, that they've picked up the prime land um, in, in that country. Now, it does help if they do have a strong um, you know, history as a management team. That is not, though, the, one of the top two or three things. I think when I'm making a speculative bet, I want to make sure they have enough cash and they're, they're at either the drilling stage or a JV partnership stage. And I think that's an, a catalyst that is undervalued because if you find some of these companies that have a good amount of cash and their enterprise value is quite low, um, then uh, just having a JV with a larger partner, one, um, you, you could have that instant value because you put a rough valuation on, on the terms of the JV, but two, it instantly validates that country because there's that big name attached. Now, strategic financing also can work, but um, that's something I really try to uh, take advantage of. Right, right, okay. I guess, and, and, and are there any particular ratios that you look for there? Because it's, it's, it's difficult. If a, you know, a company of less than 20 million, 10 million bucks, having enough cash, that's, that's a pretty wide, catch-all there you know they have enough enough to get them through the next year the next two years or 
until the next announcement? And what, what, are, what are you looking for? Yeah, so it's, I think it's good to use real examples. Um, Apollo Consolidated, which is AOP on the ASX, that was a textbook example. And I have a video on this. Interestingly, it's one of my lesser watched ones, but I think I kind of nailed it at the time because they had, I think, eight or nine million in cash and the market cap was, was 10 million. It was, it was literally an enterprise value of one or 2 million. And then you started looking at what they were doing. They have all these interesting ground um, in Northern Ivory Coast or Cote d'Ivoire where they had made a discovery. Granted, they, um, um, I think there were some metallurgical issues at the time. And so that's why the stock price came down, but people completely forgot about a royalty that they had. Um, and so I was never expecting that royalty, I, I forgot the name of the, uh, the deposit, but it was something that Newcrest um, had to deal with them. But I knew at the most basic level, that royalty was probably worth the enterprise value on its own. So then we add in all the other stuff that they were continuing to drill. But the kicker was they had all these things in Australia as well. So it made it very easy for me to bet on the company because I felt that it was at a low in terms of risk reward. I personally thought that the catalyst for it to move up was going to be an ivory coast but it was actually some great drilling results in australia so there were multiple catalysts it really had that very low enterprise value and it ended up being a five bagger within three or four months uh, in 2017 and i didn't know why it would be a five bagger but i am 100 confident my analysis was correct that that was the low to, and i basically bought a bunch of those shares when it was trading at one million enterprise value or less do you have any examples where things haven't quite gone according to plan? I mean, and, 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 and do you understand why? Oh, yes. Um, Alicanto Minerals, which is AQI on the ASX. Oh, I was so excited about this because it was in Guyana, um, in the Guyana Shield, in, in kind of an emerging area, uh, South America. And they had a JV with Barrick um, when Barrick had very few JVs a few years ago. And there was historical ground that looked great, you know, great soil anomalies. I talked to my broker about it and he said, Nick, you know, this, this looks really good. Now this, this is not the worst story because I did make money on it. I think it was like a four bagger when I invested, but I, I should have sold more at the top. And unfortunately, I don't know exactly why it went wrong. I think there was management execution issues for sure because results just kept getting delayed and delayed. And I think the excuses given were that drill, drill, core was being sent out on a barge or some, you know, they weren't being flown out, but then they would get lost in the ocean or something really strange like that. But then I also heard issues about Guyana itself. And so I do think it's a little bit of both. This is where management didn't execute quite right. And, um, and also uh, the, the country itself, I'm actually more skeptical on Guyana and I've heard of other problems like, like Guyana gold fields having issues. So uh, so yeah, it's it, it can be a little bit of both. I mean, you said something interesting to me there. Um, you speak to your broker. Do you take advice from the broker, or why don't you do this trading online yourself? Uh, that's that's a great example because I was skeptical of having a full service broker early on because I've been investing, speculating on and off for for over ten years now. And and when I went into the mining space, uh, I knew that I wanted to sign up with a mining a resource-based broker so my broker is sprott global and they in the us i think they're the only um you know large legitimate um broker but i remember them saying you know oh you know you should ask us for advice this or that i never like to ask 
for advice on something I don't already know. But what I love is bringing stock ideas to my broker with the news releases and then he can help me validate whether it's real. And he's got a technical background and internal, Sprott has internal geos with tons of experience and go on these site visits. Now, sometimes they do send me a few ideas, but like I just said, I, much, I, I prefer to use them where I try to bring my ideas, and many of my ideas are poor, but when we start to agree on those rare occasions, that's where the fireworks happen. Right, okay. Yeah, that, that's, Sprott's an exception, I think, in the sense that they, they're very technical. Yes, that's true. And quite frankly, if they're putting their money in, most people follow, so that also helps. Um, okay, and, and do you invest outside of mining? No, simple, simple answer is no. I, I've looked, dabbled a little bit in energy like oil, but that's still the resource base. So I am 100% I am devoted. I treat this like, like its own business within the, the mining bubble. Right, And okay, fair enough. Stay, stick to your knitting, yep. Okay, now you've, I think you've answered some of this already. I, I was gonna ask you, um, you know, what commodities you think are hot for this year? You're a gold and copper guy, I guess, but are you jumping on the uranium bandwagon? I, I'm not. I still follow it. I think my reasoning, though, um, might be helpful. The thing about uranium is all the best projects or most interesting projects are in the Athabasca Basin in, in Saskatchewan. And I, while I do own shares in Next Gen Energy, which I've owned for a little while, it's not a huge position, I think that is e easily the best project out there. It's a tier one project in the safest place. And so it doesn't actually fit my own skill set of, of looking into these exotic jurisdictions where I can look into the geopolitics and think about perception versus reality. I have no reason to look at uranium in Africa because I think all the best stuff is in Saskatchewan. But uh, very briefly, gold and copper I love because I feel I really understand the supply side well. And so while I'm not sure if they're going to be super hot this year, I know we are starving for discoveries in both of those spaces and that's why i spend most of my time there okay okay that that's really interesting obviously i think that a lot of people have a lot of different uh, views on what uranium is going to be doing this oh, year absolutely. some people are getting very very excited especially in the states um and obviously the, the, the pricing in the market says something else so uh let's let's see what happens i need a recommendation from you book of the month putting me on the uh, on the spot. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I think I have to go with, um, with a classic, uh, because I mostly read classics, but I would say the Zurich axioms is a really interesting one that doesn't get discussed enough that I have a few friends who are rediscovering it with me. But that's really at the heart of speculation versus, you know, out and out investing. And so I reread that from time to time. And I think that's, uh, that's a good, good one. Uh, Max Gunther um, wrote that 20 or 30 years ago. And uh, hopefully a few listeners might be interested. And I do have a YouTube video on it in case people want to check that out. Okay, well, fantastic. Okay, so, get where, so where can people find you? www.miningbookguide.com. Um, I've got, and I actually have a couple other book ideas of, um, on an intro video there. But I recommend people to sign up for my new free email list right on that website. And I'll be sending all sorts of information, whether it's on my focus on Africa or Eastern Europe or attending PDAC or even going on site visits, which could be happening soon. So, yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. And of course, they can get you on, I think you're on Twitter as well, aren't you? Twitter and LinkedIn. Absolutely. Feel free to, to connect with me there. 
the mining boat guy. Well, uh, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Enjoy the conversation, and you know, hope we hope we catch up real soon. Yeah, thanks, Matthew. That would be great to do it again. Thank you very much for watching our video. We do aim to give you informed and intelligent information with which to make your investment decisions. So if you liked what you just saw, please give us a thumbs up. And if you want to see more insightful, in-depth, honest and unbiased interviews, then please click the subscribe button. So thanks again for watching and we look forward to seeing you again soon.